0: Hello and welcome to Starting Fresh. Hi guys, welcome back to a new episode of Starting Fresh. I'm Davina. And I'm Bianca
1: and we are so excited to be back with a brand new episode.
0: Yes, Bianca and I are back at our schools and we're so excited to get into everything that's been going on in the world and we have a very exciting topic today about wellness culture right <laughs> yes
1: I'm so excited before we get started Demina, how are you doing what is it like
0: being back at school back to work yeah so I think everything has just gone into like full force at Berkeley <laughs> I was thinking to myself today that like each getting back into a new semester is like almost like remembering how to ride a bike again like it's kind of shaky at the beginning but then you like get used to it and you're just like driving and running straight from there so um it's been like a little bit hectic like getting all my classes and schedules and extracurriculars together but I feel like now I'm back in the loop of things but how's Wisco how's it going there totally um it's great it's honestly like
1: a little scary because it's not that wintry here obviously it's supposed to be like an El Nino year so like technically it's not supposed to be that bad but it is a little scary that it's not horribly snowy but that's okay I've also been getting back to things we started a little later so this is our first full Mm -hmm. week of school um and I just found out I got a job today, which is very exciting. Yeah, that'll be another thing to add onto my plate. But yeah, I'm excited about my classes this year. I'm finally getting into like major related stuff, which is great. But besides that, I say we get
0: right into our fresh front page news. Yes, this is my favorite segment of every episode. <laughs> I pick a new like topic or headline that I saw in the news today. And we get to talk about it for a little bit. So this article comes from NPR and it says the mob wife aesthetic is in, but what about the vintage fur that comes with it? So essentially this article um, talks about the debate between vintage fur and faux fur and each respective environmental impact that it has in regards to this new trendy um, aesthetic called the mob wife. Bianca, do you know anything about this aesthetic that's been trending right now?
1: So I'll kind of explain it for people that don't understand. Basically, there's like the clean girl aesthetic, which is like slick back buns, you know, kind of having your life together. Mm-hmm. And then the mob wife is supposed to be like the older sister version of that, you know, a little bit more mysterious, smoking cigarettes, having a big <laughs> fur coat and red lipstick, you know, kind of having this like more elegant, extravagant look. I yeah. think it's cool. But I never really thought about, like, the environmental impacts of this aesthetic. So I'm excited to hear what you have to say about it.
0: Yeah, so critics of this new trend um, have, like, a few things to say. Number one, I've heard people talk about how it appropriates Italian mafia culture, which I don't okay. really know much about. But I'm going to put that out there so people <laughs> can, like, sit with that on their own. Um, And in terms of the the economic feasibility, getting such a coat is really expensive and people that want to participate in this trend, I guess it's hard for them to, you know, get an expensive real fur coat. So people turn to faux fur and um, the environmental impacts of that is another issue on its own in regards to these faux fur coats being made out of plastic, which are not biodegradable and made in like, um, fast fashion factories that just contribute to CO2 emissions and everything that's wrong with fast fashion these days, faux um, fur is not excluded from. Um, and then we move to vintage fur, which is people, you know, have a lot to say about this because it's controversial on its own. Number one, I talked about how vintage fur is kind of expensive, but um, it also has the environmental impact of it being, you know, harmful to animals obviously like we're using their own we're using their fur and we're creating a market out of that however it's also environmentally good because these vintage fur coats um are are of not made out of plastic and last a long time because it's made out of something real also it's biodegradable because it's made out of you know natural materials um so that's everything i have to spit out (laughs) about the mob life aesthetic and faux Coats, but yeah what do you think okay I have a few thoughts first of all
1: I think that this kind of relates to our topic today because it talks about like trends and the trend cycle Mm -hmm. and I think that if you're really focused and valued on sustainability you will not just buy things for the trend I think that for it's purchase sustainably can be like a really great warm statement piece I know especially in this warmer colder climate fur Mm. is like a great way to keep yourself warm and I do think that there's sustainable ways to get fur if it's vintage secondhand um there's other ways that you can get sustainable fur I think that faux fur um is I don't know it's just very prevalent of like this consumer culture like this mob wife aesthetic is just like buzzwords that are brought up Mm -hmm. like you do not need to wear a fur coat to like emulate this energy um and I think that it's just kind of disappointing that people look as a trend to just like consume and buy something else when it's like you don't need a fur jacket you're probably going to wear it for what a month and then throw it away and so I think that my final thoughts are that conscious consumerism is important and if you want to partake in this trend, really think about it. Like, is this something you can see yourself wearing for a while? If so, mm-hmm. investing is great. There's things like the real real. There's things like Depop, Poshmark, actual thrift stores that have like nice, sustainable fur jackets. And if you're not going to partake in this, don't buy something cheap and not very well made, because it's just going to end up in a thrift store or Goodwill. That's not and people can't use it for a long time and it
0: impacts the environment. So that is my opinion on this aesthetic. I have to agree with you a hundred percent. And I'm only gonna add that I am personally pro vintage clothing. I think it's a great mm. way to buy secondhand, not um contribute to this like ridiculous producing in fast fashion. And also it looks good. Like I love how vintage clothes look. Um, I will say. I'm really over these, like, trend cycles, like you said, like, clean girl aesthetic, tomato girl. I don't even know what's happening anymore. Yeah, you're just throwing out here. (laughs) And it's, like, we've seen this so many times before. And overall, the trend um, epidemic that constantly comes out every year is contributing to this fast fashion, fast fashion issue. So um, I think we need to bring in the conscious consumer girl um, in. Totally. You know, I think that's what we're going to emulate this year. Caution, ca- cautious consumerism is in. And also, I think
1: that it's cool to have your own style. Like, you know, trend setting is important. And I'm not going to say I don't follow trends. But I think the coolest people out there are the people that beat to their own drum. And sometimes they're in trends, sometimes they're not. But at, the, but at the end of the day, they have their own confidence and their own style. And I think that's something we should emulate. But besides that... I think it's perfect to get into our topic of the week which is wellness culture and I think we chose this topic because like we are college students we are very big consumers of media and I think recently especially over the past like 10 years there's kind of been this um up upcline <laughs> no incline of um wellness culture whether that is anything ranging from like Ozempic to Sleepy Girl Mocktail, just these things <laughs> that are supposed to make you healthier. And I think that at the end of these conversations, I think we'll realize that they're not as healthy as we think they are. So, Davita, do you want to help us frame this topic
0: of the week? Yeah. So, wellness culture, like you said, it has just been like exploded in the past few years, and um according to refinery 29 it's an over 1.5 trillion dollar industry so of course when we're going on social media and stuff there's so many people that want to get into this market um when I was contemplating and thinking about this um topic before recording I was thinking about when I got into wellness culture or when I first heard of it and what first went into my mind was COVID and the idea that we were all stuck indoors and I felt at least a need to better myself and be productive during this time. Cause I have a break. I'm not going out. Like why don't I just, you know, you know, work out, do skincare, all these things to come out of this pandemic yeah. as a new person. And um, of course people are just stuck at home consuming a lot of media on social media from a curated algorithm, like on TikTok, And because we have this, you know, hyper internal conversation with ourselves without any external feedback. We're not getting any social interaction during COVID. We're just constantly telling ourselves we need to change ourselves. We need to be this new person. We need to like get into wellness and that's all this um, industry has been putting out there. So um, that was my experience with it. Um, And I wanna talk a little bit more about COVID and the wellness industry, but I wanna first ask you how you first heard about wellness.
1: Totally. I mean, I think it's always been in my radar. I'm from Venice, which is kind of like a wellness mecca. There's a lot of yoga studios and spin places Mm -hmm. and smoothies and everything like that. And I think that as I was kind of analyzing my consumption with wellness culture and understanding all of that, I kind of realized that it all stems back to this idea of like fear of aging, which is quite interesting. And I think especially being from LA, we see this fear of aging all over. People are really scared Mm -hmm. to get older, which I have my own opinions on, but that's not what this is about. But I think that that was kind of like my first my first glance into that is people want to look younger and feel younger. And so they're doing these workout classes and these treatments in order to like change themselves. And I think definitely COVID kind of picked this up, at least for me, where I started seeing more things about like DIYs and you know, how to eat, eat leaner and all Mm -hmm. these different types of things. So yeah, I think that there was kind of definitely an increase in the past three or four years. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And more on COVID, like beyond the idea that people felt the need to be more productive while they were home, um, there was also this kind of like right-wing conspiracy, I would say at least, that wellness can prevent COVID. And instead of, you know, getting the vaccine, just take these vitamins or like, I don't know, like drink this smoothie and your immune system totally. will take care of you. Um, so of course, that was being pushed out there and that led to the popularization of this industry. I also wanted to just put in the um, statistic that there was an observed rate um, of uh, eating disorder visits at the emergency room um, where they saw a 121% increase over the expected rate over the course of just 30 months during COVID. So wellness, we're going to get into how that can be harmful, but in regards to the COVID era. Um, It definitely impacted the way people viewed their bodies and in a very harmful way as well.
1: Wow, that's really interesting. Um, I think the 121% increase is not something that I expected to hear about. Um, Mm -hmm. And I have this really interesting quote from Refinery29 that says, When yoga or smoothies or expensive spin classes are meant to help you reach clarity about yourself, it can be mentally jarring when your daily anxieties or dissatisfaction with your body does not go away. And this is from an article called Wellness Culture Won't Save Us, It's Only Making Us Sicker. And I think that that quote kind of like stuck out to me because it kind of made me like realize or at least like connect the dots that a lot of the times these ways and methods that people are doing in order to better themselves are kind of manifestations of their deeper anxieties. And I think a lot of the realizations we'll we'll see as we discuss this topic is that instead of putting all your money and your time into wellness culture or why don't we put more money and time into really examining why are we feeling these this way why are we scared to get older why are we scared to look different why are we scared to aid why are we scared to gain weight you know so these are things that could be deeper analyzed instead of immediately jumping onto something you know
0: yeah i'm sure like wellness cu- culture is just like kind of a band-aid fix to our deeper insecurities and when we look at one company that I want to talk about they definitely capitalize off of women's insecurities and I want to talk about Goop which if you haven't heard is Gwyneth Paltrow's wellness brand um started in 2008 and they sell everything from workouts clothing vitamins recipes under the brand of wellness and um her brand of course is supposed to um be viewed as a luxury and um, for people that can afford such things. So one of the main issues I have with Goop is that they have a specific type of branding that makes um, it seem that only high priced or luxury wellness products or services um, will allow someone to better themselves. So if you purchase, like, let's say their $88 hand cream, that is the only way you can, you know, make yourself feel better, make yourself look better you know, be viewed in a better way from society. That's one of the biggest issues I have with it, like that branding. And of course, like we said, they play on people's insecurities and in definitely a false way, they promise unrealistic beauty outcomes that, you know, at least on social media is usually just achieved through plastic surgery, injections, and Photoshop. It's never because of that $90 serum that you see on Goop. Totally. So also there's been issues with the products themselves. Um, Culture has been known for giving pretty bad advice, including praising rectal ozone therapy, which is like basically having gas injected into the rectum in hopes of like bettering your, I don't know, like your gut and stress and all these buzzwords. Even though the FDA has like announced that ozone is a toxic gas. They're probably not the best to, you know, yeah. inject that into your own body. So overall, um, brands like Goop that um brand wellness as a um as the only way to, you know, better yourself and you know, you have to buy all these like really expensive products are really, really harmful. I think it's really interesting that you brought this up because it's kind
1: of like just I'd look at Gwyneth Paltrow, Goop. You could also say Pooch, which is, um, Kourtney Kardashian's brand. It's these very classist, um, kind of schemes that basically tell women that unless you have all this money to purchase these items, you're not gonna feel mm-hmm. better. And I think that that's so disappointing, especially since a lot of the kind of roots of wellness culture, like, um, come from like Eastern medicine, which are typically things that are natural, cheap, come from like sacred cultures and traditions and so it's kind of frustrating to see these brands capitalize on not only traditions but also women's wallets obviously wellness culture relates to men as well and other types of people but I do think that majority of it is like playing on women's insecurities and I think that like it comes to the question like are these like celebrities responsible like I think that a lot of different like influencers and stuff like promote these brands like are they responsible for the potential harms that they're giving to the followers like if someone did that rectum treatment that you were talking about from (laughs) like she is responsible for influencing people on that you know you have a responsibility telling women that this is going to make you feel better and like Obviously, she's not liable for something bad that happens to them. But I do think it's like an interesting moral obligation that these influencers and celebrities have. What do you think about it?
0: Yeah, totally. I also feel like these wellness brands also kind of are a status thing. Like the fact that you have the goop candle, the goop moisturizer, it's all under like a luxury brand as if it's like a Louis Vuitton bag. Yeah, and so of course, people want to be seen with it. People want to make it known that they're using these like really high end products, and in turn, other people look at them, like allegedly, as someone who is like, Wow, they really take care of themselves, they really love their body, they really, you know, have it all figured out because they use goop. That's kind of like the mindset that is projected in the wellness culture industry. Um, more on the Eastern uh Asian um wellness practices. Uh I like to talk this about I like to talk about this a lot because I took a Buddhism class last semester. Mm-hmm. I also started Core Power. Um so I have like um two views of a very popular wellness workout yoga. Um, what I learned in my Buddhism class was that yoga is a form to get closer with yourself internally and kind of uh in a way let go of everything around you um spiritually yoga in western culture has kind of got rid of all the spiritual aspects of buddhism and the esoteric practices and everything about the buddha in general um gone away with it and just focus on the mental wellness part of it and use that as a way to brand yoga in the Western world. So when I go to core power, even though yoga is a very, oh, I also wanna say that um, Buddhists are not the only one that practice yoga. Like It's a very big practice in Indian religions in general. There's like no recognition, no credit to um, the people that founded yoga um, in India. So there's a huge issue with that. And the idea that we have to do away with all the the cultural identities that are a part of yoga just so that it can be, you know, consumed by people in the Western world.
1: Totally. I think that's really interesting and like that there's no kind of recognition from these broader Mm -hmm. companies. And I do think it's disappointing that they charge these really expensive prices. I don't know specifically how much core power costs, but I've been going to some yoga classes that can be like up to $35 even more. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think it's quite disappointing to see this like lack of responsibility taken when these traditions have kind of been around for a long time um and I think it goes down to this idea of like what does health I know this is kind of getting philosophical but like what does to to be healthy like what does that even mean you know that's like the deeper meaning we kind of as the refinery 29 article was saying and as we were talking about you know all of these things are kind of ways that people want to like better their health but like Mm -hmm. what does it mean to be truly healthy like what is the final goal for Gwyneth Paltrow to live forever you know what I mean like what 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 is enough you know what I mean like I think I look at health is like you know feeling good about myself you know feeling strong and feeling full and feeling nourished like that's what I think about health you know but what is the final goal for these people and for this industry
0: I think Wellness culture in the Western world definitely solely views your body as the epitome of health and how your body fits into our standards these days is what health is. If you're skinny, that's healthy. If you're not, you're not healthy. And they target people that may not have these, you know, or may not reach these body standards to say, you're not healthy. You need to buy our products. You need to drink this smoothie. You need to go to our Mm -hmm. yoga classes and reach this level of health because the way you look is not how we view as health. Therefore you have to change your body. Yeah. It's not like um, you're bettering your own mental health even though they Mm -hmm. like to say yoga does all this stuff. It's all about your outward appearance. And that's why they make so much money from these products.
1: 100%. I mean, I think that at the end of the day, it's really a shame to say that these companies are kind of preying upon the insecurities of people. It's also disappointing to say it's kind of all connected, you know, it really goes down to like class in America, which is unfortunately something that plays into many roles of society. And so I think wellness culture plays into class, it plays into insecurity, and it plays into like this false goal of like being the best version of yourself. And I'm not I don't think I'm against some of these things. Like I go to spin class and I like drinking smoothies Mm -hmm. and I like, you know, journaling and doing these things that these people talk about. But I do think it's having this recognition that like, not only did these companies weren't the things that these companies didn't start these things first, you know, but I think that it's what makes you feel good. That's what your wellness journey is, you know, and that's what health means to me, at least, you know, like if putting an $80 lotion on my face makes me feel great about myself, then you do that, you know? Go do that. (laughs) But I don't think that it should be an expectation, you know? And I think that Ah. it's just up to you. You make the standards for yourself. You make the goals for yourself. If Davina, if you feel good doing core power, go do core Mm -hmm. power. Like that's Mm -hmm. on you. I hope core power takes more recognition of kind of paying homage to the yoga practice says before but like you should be able to do what makes you feel good and you shouldn't have to feel like there's this pressure that you need to like live forever you know yeah exactly like cryotherapy her body
0: and like come back in a couple years (laughs) (laughs) no I know Like I love my serums. I love having my skincare routine I love to work out um, but then I look at my little sister who is, mind you, 11 years old and is going to Sephora. Guys, this is the 10-year-old Sephora <laughs> epidemic. And she's buying, like, she's she wants to buy these $70, $80 serums that are, like, anti-aging, anti wrinkle no. Like, why does my little sister have, like, this mindset that she needs to have all these expensive products to look and feel better when she's 11 years old? And she doesn't have yeah. wrinkles. She's very far you? from what? aging. <laughs> like she doesn't need I any of it. That... But it just makes me sad that wellness culture and all this marketing and branding has made even like young women feel this way.
1: That's actually quite upsetting to hear about that. Yeah. I think that I kind of brought this question up before, but do you and I really want to put you on the spot here. Like, do you think that these tiktokers and influencers are like responsible and should take accountability for their influence of these
0: things especially to younger people well i think these influencers that are um marketing and pushing out these products are 100 percent responsible especially because most of the time that they're you know making these videos their ads and they're gaining revenue from it so they are, in a sense, selling it to us directly. And I feel like, not even in a sense, they are selling it to us directly. So of course they're responsible. Yeah. And, but because they're making money from it, like they feel like the good outweighs the bad for them. So I would hundred percent put it on the influencers that are marking it out there.
1: Totally. I agree and i think that i really like enjoyed this conversation today regarding wellness culture i think that these are great like questions and like curiosities that we've brought up and i think to the listeners you know listening to this really take a opportunity to like analyze your relationship with wellness because I think that there's a lot of deeper things behind it. And I think that going off of the idea of like consumerism, wellness. Culture is about consumerism and consuming these products and everything like that. Mm-hmm. So I think that the real wellness we can do is kind of paring down the thing to the things that make us feel good about ourselves. Whether that's, you know, your spin classes or your $80 hand cream, it doesn't matter what whatever that routine is to you, it should be solely on what makes you feel good, you know, not based on the perceptions of what
0: Gwyneth Paltrow has to say. Yeah, don't listen to her. But I think the one takeaway. From this is just be conscious. Next time you see an ad, a TikTok about a new skincare serum, a new workout class, think about, oh, is this actually going to make myself better as a person? Or is this just a marketing team? Is it something that people just want to sell to me so that they can make money? Think about um, who's selling it. Think about how much it costs in comparison to other substitutes. Think about all the things that are going on in this world and think about how you feel internally don't make don't buy all these products as a quick fix really sit with your own thoughts think about why you feel the need for this product and then go make a decision based on your own volition but just be conscious about your actions in regards to wellness culture yeah well
1: Davina this was truly a great conversation I really Mm -hmm. enjoyed this episode. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email us at startingfreshpodcast at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Instagram at startingfreshpodcast.
0: Yes, Bianca, it was so nice to talk to you today, and I really enjoyed our conversation. We will see you guys soon. Bye, guys.